Today on the Matt Wall Show, it was a historic weekend at the Daily Wire as our film, What is a Woman, racked up a truly mind-boggling number of views. Would this inspire the corporate media to finally engage honestly with the film and the issues it raises? No, of course not. Uh, they just doubled down on the lies. Also, a judge says it's unconstitutional for Tennessee to outlaw drag shows for kids. We'll discuss this absurd ruling. And an argument between a fifth grade teacher and a trans activist on Dr. Phil goes viral. Plus, Biden's next CDC director is on video explaining how they really made decisions during the COVID lockdowns. Her comments are both infuriating and revealing. In our daily cancellation, Lizzo is saying she might retire from the music industry because of all the mean comments about her weight. Is this supposed to be a threat or a promise? We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. The one-year anniversary of Roe v. Wade be, uh, being overturned is coming up, and since then, the left has lost their minds, of course. Pro-life efforts, which are more important now than ever, are booming. You heard that right. Despite the narrative, pro-lifers didn't go away. They increased in number. 40 Days for Life is changing hearts and minds in the most blue pro-abortion states. They've had a record number of locations since Roe was overturned. They grew in both volunteers and locations with about 1 million volunteers in 1,500 cities. They hold peaceful vigils outside abortion facilities. This success has come with new unwanted attention from the federal government and the DOJ in regards to free speech. As one of the largest pro-life organizations in the world, no one is in a better position than 40 Days for Life to end abortion in each state in a post-Roe America. You can help them fight the ongoing legal battles of protecting free speech for their uh, volunteers, including Mark, the 40 Days for Life volunteer who had his house raided by the FBI. Help them defend free speech by giving a tax-deductible gift of any amount at 40daysforlife.com. That's 40daysforlife.com. If you've been looking for a sign that we may be nearing an end to the national fever dream that began sometime in the past decade and that soon will once again live in a country where you can at least talk about basic facts of life without losing your job or getting dogpiled uh, on social media, then what happened last week wasn't just encouraging. It was proof that we're well on our way to that destination. That may be hard to believe, but it's true, and there's no denying it now. Last week, for the first time in a very long time, it wasn't the people who understand human biology and the differences between men and women who lost their jobs. It wasn't the people who value freedom of speech who are publicly humiliated. It wasn't the civilized and respectful people who had to lock down their accounts in shame. Instead, for once, all those things happened to the censors and the activists who have for so long foisted their own mental problems on everyone else. The thugs who can't win an argument without threats and coercion were the ones backed into a corner for a change. The premiere of What is a Woman on Twitter proved to be a, a disastrous moment for these very petty and aggressively stupid authoritarians. As we've told you, after the Daily Wire signed a deal with Twitter to stream the film for free to kick off Pride Month, a faction of uh, dedicated censors within Twitter, many of them holdovers from the pre-Musk era, we can assume, decided to revolt. They went back on the agreement. They told us the film was hate speech because uh, for the very simple reason that it contained speech they hated. And whatever it took, these activists inside Twitter decided the last possible minute that um, you wouldn't be allowed to see any of it. And you know that whole story by now. Now, I say activists, but these people are more like zealots. The ideology is what matters to them, nothing else. And that's why several of these rogue Twitter employees decided to throw away their jobs in order to shut down what is a woman. That's how dedicated they are to the cult of gender ideology. Even after Elon Musk publicly told the Daily Wire CEO Jeremy Boring that the film would run without any censorship, these activists went ahead and throttled it anyway the moment it went live on Twitter on the night of June 1st. And as you know, no one could like or retweet it. It had a label saying it contained hateful conduct. It looked for a while as if somehow this pro-censorship faction within Twitter had staged some kind of coup. They had defied Twitter's owner 
And incredibly, at first, it seemed they had gotten what they wanted. But then Elon Musk stepped in, heads rolled, various firings and resignations were reported, and the film was freed from the censorship shackles. But once the rest of America, the sane ones anyway, had the opportunity to see the film without any intervention from a small number of gender studies majors in Silicon Valley, it became obvious why the censors were so desperate to shut us down to begin with. They were right in a certain way. Not right to do what they did, not right about the things they believe, but right to be afraid of the film and the effect it would have on their agenda. Because what happened next was truly historic. It turns out a lot of people wanted to watch the film. In fact, uh, more people wanted to watch What is a Woman than any other documentary in the last several years. When we tweeted out the film, it got more than 170 million views. Now, for perspective, more people watched What is a Woman than saw Anderson Cooper all week on CNN or watched the Oscars or Joe Biden's uh, State of the Union address in 2023 combined. The film trended worldwide all weekend with hundreds of thousands of people talking about it at all, at all hours. For the second Pride Month in a row, this is our second one in a row, What is a Woman was the number one documentary on Rotten Tomatoes. And in fact, right now is the number one streaming film on the entire site. So just to restate, this is a documentary that came out a year ago and it instantly went to number one. Again, whatever you think of the film, based on the data, there's no question it's one of the most watched documentaries of the past decade. It's also one of the most impactful because it's led directly to laws that have been passed all over the country, outlawing child mutilation, other crimes against humanity. In, fla- in fact, it's, it's clear that, that now we can say What is a Woman is one of the most widely viewed and influential documentaries, not just of the past several years or of the decade, but of all time. And I'm biased in that assessment, of course, but all of the available metrics back it up. What an unmitigated disaster for the forces of censorship and of evil. The news organizations and big tech oligarchs who for years could have censored this film, uh, you know, and would have censored it in this case as well, were instead forced to watch on the sidelines as all this unfolded, watching helplessly. Millions of Americans could see the extent to which they're being lied to. The experts in medicine and academia that the media throws in our faces who tell us that gender ideology is settled science actually have no idea what they're talking about. They're clowns and liars and frauds. Small children could make better arguments than they do. And they've all been exposed as liars and not about some trivial topic either. They've been covering for an ideology that condones the forcible castration and mutilation of children. And there's no hiding that now. But of course, they're going to try to hide it anyway. Despite its popularity, right now the film still has not been reviewed by a single corporate media outlet. Uh, Instead, they spent the weekend and the past week lying about it. Here's how CNN covered everything that's happened. Uh, Listen to this. Meantime, Twitter's head of trust and safety telling Reuters that she has resigned from the social media company. Ella Irwin, who was in charge of content moderation, stepped down the same day that Twitter blocked and then unblocked access to an anti-trans documentary. Billionaire Elon Musk has faced criticism for lax protections against potentially harmful content since he took over back in October. Now, notice a couple of things about that clip. The first is that, like Voldemort, uh, you can't actually say the name of the movie. I think that's correct. I don't usually use Harry Potter references, but anyway. So instead of what is a woman, it's an anti-trans documentary that shall not be named under any circumstance. Merely saying the words what is a woman is violence. And what's amusing about calling the film an anti-trans documentary is that, again, the whole documentary is about giving trans activists the floor. 
letting them speak. We didn't interrupt them or edit anything out of context. So if What is a Woman is an anti-trans documentary, as CNN says, all that means is that gender ideology is so incoherent and so corrupt that anyone who spends any time listening to pro-trans activists will inevitably come away with anti-trans sentiments. That seems to be what CNN is saying. Now, CNN doesn't realize they're saying that, of course, because none of them have watched the film or know what they're talking about. But that's the big takeaway from that segment. Spend 10 minutes with a doctor who performs gender-affirming surgeries, quote-unquote gender-affirming surgeries, or a, or a college professor who lectures on gender, and you'll come away anti-trans, apparently. That's what CNN is saying. And that might not be a bad assessment from CNN, actually. The other thing to notice about that clip is the implication that the film contains potentially harmful content. Now, nowhere in that segment did CNN explain what's potentially harmful about letting trans activists box, them, box themselves into a corner and then run away screaming when asked a simple question. Maybe what CNN means is that the content of the film is harmful to gender ideology, which it certainly is. If that's the case, then again, we thank CNN for the endorsement. Now, to be clear, I'm not just picking on CNN here. That would be a waste of time because as Elon Musk pointed out in response to that segment, nobody watches them anyway. So you should know that the rest of the media did the same thing. They attacked the film without even mentioning the title of it or what it's about. NBC News, for example, ran this headline, quote, Musk's response to an anti-trans video sparks 24 hours of chaos at Twitter. A conservative pressure movement built against uh, Twitter CEO resulted in high-level departures from the company. Now, you couldn't write a less factually accurate summary of what happened over the past week if you tried. They can't even bring themselves to call it a film. Instead, one of the most widely viewed documentaries ever is just a video, an anti-trans video. Uh, what's remarkable about this is that millions of people are seeing the fake narrative machine spin up in real time. What happened on Twitter with What is a Woman was not a secret. Everyone could see it happen. And yet the media is lying about it as if this is Russiagate all over again. They're acting like they have some kind of insider knowledge and they can fool people, but they can't. Again, they're panicking and more importantly, it's obvious. This is how these people start to lose power because they lose their grip, their influence, the monopoly they have over people's minds. The closest the NBC News article comes to engaging with the content of the film is to say that it misgenders trans people. Quoting from NBC, it says, quote, misgendering trans people had been restricted on the platform since 2018, but under Musk, the company quietly repealed that rule. Misgendering trans people using pronouns other than what someone prefers is a common way to bully trans people. What NBC doesn't mention is that the alleged misgendering they're talking about, again, is a father saying that his 14-year-old girl is his daughter. They're saying that his, his, this father was bullying his own 14-year-old daughter, bullying her because he objected when doctors injected her with cross-sex hormones that sterilized her. And then when the Canadian government arrested this father and fined him $30,000, and when the Canadian media destroyed his life, according to NBC, he wasn't being bullied. Instead, his daughter was being bullied. That's what they're saying. Now, they can't write that explicitly because it's just so awful and insane. So they lie about it. Now, the one redeeming quality of the NBC article is that it contains this line, which belongs in some kind of museum or something. Quote, Musk's views on trans rights put him out of sync with many other Silicon Valley billionaires. Okay, this is how shameless corporate media propaganda is now. They come right out and condemn you if you disagree with many other Silicon Valley billionaires, as if that's obviously a bad thing to do. Now, I'm old enough to remember when the left used to pretend to be critics 
of the evil billionaire class. Now they use that group as a, as a moral measuring stick for the rest of us. It used to be billionaires are evil. Now it's agree with all the billionaires or you're evil. Everywhere you look this weekend, there was an article like this, clearly written by someone who hadn't seen the film, but was told to write about it. Take Business Insider, for example. Unlike NBC or CNN, Business Insider actually did use the name of the film, so at least there's that. But they obviously haven't seen it either. They wrote that the film, quote, urges intolerance of trans people. Of course, they don't provide a single quote in which anyone in the documentary urges intolerance of trans people. That's because it didn't happen. Now everyone knows that because everyone could see it for themselves. The New Republic ran a similarly embarrassing piece, except to try and differentiate themselves a bit, they opted to attack Elon Musk personally. They reported that he was, quote, disowned by his trans daughter. And the article went on to lament that Musk had decided to, quote, punch down against transgender people. Is anyone convinced by this anymore? I mean, it's hard to believe at this point. The activists who are urging intolerance are on the other side. They're doing it right out in the open. They aren't dog whistling or whatever. They're coming out and saying it. And for them, when they call for intolerance against their enemies, they don't mean just like say mean things about them. They mean kill them. For the latest example, as journalist Chris Brunet reported on his Substack this weekend, a Brown University PhD student calling himself Sarah Celeste Griffith has for apparently many months been publicly urging people to come to my home and kill me. Um, why? Well, presumably because Sarah Celeste Griffith is a man who claims to be a woman, and he is so desperate to maintain this delusion that he wants anyone who tells the truth to be killed. Now, I've been saying this for a long time because it's true. Trans activists would happily murder you and your whole family for the sake of feeling more affirmed. Or at a minimum, they'll, they'll happily encourage someone else to go do it. Brown University is aware that this person has been threatening me, um, but they haven't done anything about it as we expect. And by the way, uh, if you'd like to reach out to the president of the university to ask why they're allowing this kind of behavior, uh, why one of their PhD students is publicly calling for the execution of uh, someone they disagree with on social media, and you want to know why they would allow this at Brown University, well, you can contact the president of the university, Christina Paxson, at 401-863-2234, or you can email president at brown.edu. Um, if you want to give your feedback, then that's the way that you do it. I'm sure that she, I mean, as always, you know, I'm sure she'd be very happy to hear it. Uh, now, when you, when, you, when you contact, you might want to ask her why they're protecting Sarah Celeste Griffith and ignoring these terroristic threats. Though, I mean, we already know the answer. They're doing it for the same reason Joe Biden and Kamala Harris ignore every instance of trans terrorism, including the murder of children. They're ignoring us for the same reason there are pride flags all over Rockefeller Center right now. The reason... They think they can ignore us, is that criticizing the cult of gender ideology is not, in fact, punching down, and they know that. It is standing up to the most powerful forces in our country, which insist that you lie about the most fundamental facts of life. They want you to believe men can get pregnant, and if you disagree, they try to crush you. They think they have all the power, but they don't have all of it. I mean, they have a lot of it, but they don't have all of it. Not anymore. So they have to resort to propaganda that's getting increasingly desperate. Here's another example. The Huffington Post cut right to the chase in their article about what is a woman and the, 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 the uh, Twitter controversy. And their headline was, Elon Musk is a transphobe. What's their evidence for that? Here it is, quote, gender-affirming healthcare takes place in a professional environment. That's what they say. And therefore, according to the Huffington Post, 
don't you dare ask questions about hospitals that castrate children. It's happening in a nice and professional environment. And if you do ask questions about it, you're afraid of trans people. The reality is that these media outlets, for once, are the ones who are afraid. They're flailing around trying to attack a film they clearly haven't seen and certainly don't want you to see. And they're doing that because they know they're losing ground. The, re the revolt against trans ideology is gaining steam more and more each day. Texas just became the largest state to criminalize uh, child mutilation or gender-affirming care, as the media puts it. That happened uh, just last week. 18 other states have signed similar legislation, many of them in just the past year. Meanwhile, corporations are starting to run scared from Pride Month. There are a bunch that didn't even switch their Twitter logos over to the little rainbow colors this year, like they have uh, in years past. As News Newsweek just reported, quote, the North Face Lego and Miller Lite carried supportive messages on June 1st, 2022, but did not do so this year. Other brands such as Target, Bud Light, and Adidas have yet to post despite doing so later in June last year. The account for uh, Xbox briefly had a Pride logo that they put up on their Twitter account before getting rid of it a few days into Pride Month. The Navy did the same thing. They made their background image on Twitter and Instagram a fighter jet streaking across the sky with Pride colors in its wake. Then they got dogpiled because the job of the military is to defend us from foreign enemies, not to promote fetishes and the sexual mutilation of children. And the people, you know, people are, are comfortable saying that out loud now. So very quickly, the Navy changed their background image back. Now, these might seem like small victories, but they are manifestations of a larger and more significant trend. The media knows this, the left knows this, which is why they're panicking. A lot of people thought that the left had won the cultural argument when it comes to trans and LGBT stuff. That was the assumption many people made, that this is lost, they won, there's no one doing it. But the victory was an illusion like a, a mirage in the desert. When you get closer and you get a closer look, you see it for the fraud that it is. They win, quote unquote, by preventing people from looking at these issues honestly or thinking about them clearly or talking about them at all. This is also one of the reasons why Libs of TikTok became one of the most hated enemies. She just gave people an honest look at their agenda, which is what they fear most. Once people start to see this for what it is, and they feel empowered to talk about it, things start to change rapidly. And right now they are. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, it takes a special kind of company to want to partner with my show. I say a lot of things that make a lot of people angry, and this tends to scare off advertisers. That's why I'm so grateful to partners like Pure Talk, who stand behind me and my show, no matter the consequences they might face. Pure Talk shares my values, which is why we've made them the official cell phone wireless partner of The Daily Wire. But that's not the only reason. Pure Talk offers the most dependable 5G network in the U.S. I use it myself. Their plans are top tier, but at a fraction of the cost of AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile. You get unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data with a mobile hotspot for just $55 a month. You vote with how you spend your money. So stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. Instead, go to puretalk.com slash Walsh. You'll get great coverage and save while you're at it. When you go to puretalk.com slash Walsh, you'll save an additional 50% off your month because they actually value you. That's puretalk.com slash Walsh. Pure Talk, wireless for Americans by Americans. 
You know, by the way, I said that uh, the left avoids the film, won't answer the question, but obviously that's not always the case. Sometimes they do try to answer the question, and then that's when things get very funny, as it does in the film. But here's Nina Turner, who's some kind of leftist activist, and she tweeted on Saturday in response to the what is a woman question. She said, if someone says they're a woman, they're a woman. Not a tough concept. Now, I mean, you're right, Nina. It's, it's not a tough concept because it's not a concept at all. It's just babble. It's gibberish. And, and first of all, if someone says they're a woman, they're a woman is not a definition of the term. It's an assertion related to the term. An incoherent assertion, but that's not even the point. I mean, leaving aside the incoherence of it for a second, the point is that it's not a definition. It doesn't tell us anything about the word you're supposed to be defining. If an alien landed from outer space and went up to you and asked, what is a woman? And you said, if someone says they're a woman, they're a woman. That alien would be just as confused uh, after hearing your answer as he was before he asked it. More confused, actually. You haven't told him anything about the word, and now he's going to incinerate planet Earth because of it, which is probably for the best. Also, of course, you know, if someone is a woman because they say they are, then that means that anyone is anything because they say they are. And it also means that, um, you know, someone is black because they say they are. Like, at a, at a minimum, it means that. Um, if, this, if we are restricting that kind of statement, well, if someone says this, then it's true. Like, if that's true, then, then what you're saying is that anything someone says is true because they said it. Which leads to all kinds of absurdity. But if you wanted to arbitrarily limit that principle to personal identity only, it, it still uh, dissolves into total insanity instantly. Which, of course, is obvious to everyone, and I think it's obvious to the people that make these claims, too. All right. Um, good stuff, a lot of victories, but it hasn't, all been, uh, it hasn't all been good, and there have been some setbacks. And here's one. Daily Wire reports, a federal judge has ruled Friday that a Tennessee law intended to shield children from sexually explicit performances is unconstitutional. U.S. District Judge Thomas Parker said a law that blocked children from being exposed to adult cabaret performances, including sexually explicit drag shows, was unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad. Quote, there's no question that obscenity is not protected by the First Amendment, but there is a difference between uh, material that is obscene in the vernacular and material that is obscene under the law, Parker wrote. Simply put, no majority of the Supreme Court has held that sexually explicit but not obscene speech receives less protection than political, artistic, or scientific speech. Parker, who was appointed by former President Donald Trump, said that the law would also allow discriminatory enforcement. Parker said, quote, whether some of us may like it or not, the Supreme Court has interpreted the First Amendment as protecting speech that is indecent but not obscene. According to a summary of the law, which was signed by Governor Bill Lee, it, quote, creates an offense for a person who engages in an adult cabaret performance on public property or in a location where the adult cabaret performance could be viewed by a person who is not an adult. The definition of adult cabaret performance in the law includes male or female impersonators. And of course... The people responsible for the law, Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson, said he's disappointed in the ruling. He hopes that Tennessee Attorney General would appeal the decision, and uh, and the Attorney General better appeal it. This is a ridiculous ruling. It's absolutely absurd, and this needs to go all the way to the Supreme Court. You know, first, it's like we're, we're once again acting like we don't understand what the word obscene means, or like there's some sort of ambig ambiguity here. Um, there really isn't. And in this case, you know, it's, it's pretty specific. You know, it bans 
sexually explicit performances in front of children. It mentions adult cabaret performances. Like that's that's pretty specific, okay? And it's intended to um, outlaw a, a certain kind of performance in front of kids. And in 99.9% of cases, we all know exactly what that is. So oh, we always get hung up in the gray area. Well, if, if this law is put in, in, into, into effect, then what about all these other uh, unrelated things that might get caught up in it? There's not much of that. Like the, the, the gray area here is very, very small. There's always going to be a gray area in any law. Okay, there are always going to be cases where, uh, where the enforcement is, is a bit ambiguous. That, that happens with any law at all. But with this one, um, that's extremely limited. And anything else that gets caught up in it, it's probably for the best anyway. Like, if, if we're looking at a certain type of performance and we're asking ourselves, is this too sexually explicit for children? You know, w- would this also be barred under this law? Well, if we have to ask that question to begin with, then probably, yeah, we should, it, it should be included. Second, this is not a law restricting speech. It doesn't say that you can't engage in these kinds of performances. That's not the law. It just says you can't do it in front of kids. And so this judge says, well, there's a distinction between sexually explicit and obscene, which I think is an absurd distinction to begin with and incoherent. But when we're talking about speech that can be simply banned outright, like maybe that distinction is relevant. But here we're talking about speech that can be, uh, that, that, that can be performed because really these are performances. We're talking about performances in front of kids. And everyone agrees, in principle anyway, that sexually explicit performances shouldn't be in front of kids, shouldn't be done in front of kids. Or everyone did agree with that until about 15 seconds ago. Does it, does it, have, to, it, does it have to qualify as obscene and sexually explicit? Why would it? Again, we're not talking about banning this outright, which personally wouldn't bother me if they did, but that's not what the law says. The law is saying, okay, you want to you, you do that? You want to have your adult cabaret performance? You can do that. You just, it can't be in front of kids is all. Go do it somewhere where kids can't see it. Is that so difficult? Is that so hard? No, it's the activists it's, and, and, and the, the actual, uh, you know, the, the people who support these performances who are saying, well, if we can't do it in front of kids, there's no point. You know, if you tell us we can't do it in front of kids, you're basically banning us because we don't even want to do it at all if we can't do it in front of kids. The whole point is to be in front of kids. That's apparently what they're saying. Which is all the more reason why, uh, why this law is, is necessary. All right, Vivek Ramaswamy was uh, asked at a town hall over the weekend whether he would reinstate the ban on trans people in the military. Here's what he said. Would you reinstate the ban on transgender members of the military? I would not reinstate a ban on transgender members. I would, however, be very clear that for kids, that's where my policies are very focused. We should not be foisting this ideology onto children. But, but you would not ban transgender members of the military? I would not. 
Yeah, I like Vivek. I think he's a, I think he's a powerful speaker. I think he's right about a lot of things. Um, he, but not, but not this. He's not right about this. He's wrong about this, uh, and he's also wrong that our sole focus, policy-wise, should just be kids. Yeah, that should be the first focus. That's the way I would put it. It's the first focus when it comes to gender ideology and, and the trans industry. Our first focus is protecting the kids. Let's get that done. But once that's done, it's not over, um, and it shouldn't be over. And he's wrong about this because, uh, you know, why would we ban trans people from the military? Well, because, you know, in theory, in the military, at least, again, the way that it used to be, is that um, you want the people who are in the best mental and physical shape. Okay? You, you, you want mental and physical fitness for the military. Because this is a very uh, physically and mentally taxing job, to say the least. Um, and if you're sending people into the military who already have deep psychological problems, who are in fact confused about the basic realities of the world and about themselves, that's a bad combination. So it's it's obvious. It's just another way of saying if someone is openly mentally ill, um, they shouldn't be in the military. Obviously. Here's another clip related to the, uh, the trans issue. This is a, a debate on the Dr. Phil show that's been going viral over the last few days. And uh, I just want you to watch this. Check it out. Transgender boys who might not have their own money to go buy tampons. If they're provided free in the bathroom, it's, it's a huge plus. Men do not menstruate. Only women menstruate. Now, you can call yourself Cis whatever you don't want. don't menstruate, but trans men do menstruate. No, Same they as don't. non-binary people. <clears throat> Only women. Menstruating is not exclusive yes, to it cis is. women. No, it's not. Yes, it is. So explain you're, to me as to why my body menstruated you are, at some point. If your chromosomes are XX and you're young, you menstruate. No. If you're XY, you don't. Correct, but what about trans men and non-binary? We're not excluding men. a whole group of they're, people They're women dressed as men. You are not a man. You can pretend to be a man, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Live your life. And tell me what a man is. Well, what's a man to you? You define a man for me. You have chromosomes that are X and Y. That's what a man is. So why are we just looking at the, 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 the science of this as an the example? Science. When, when we've learned sex and gender identity are two very, they're completely different things. They're not completely different They are things. completely different. They're completely different words. And sex is what you're born with, the sexual reproductive organs you have. Gender is what you identify with. They're completely different Well, I don't accept things. that distinction. You have to argue for it. You're just giving a conclusion. You're, you're just making it up. People, the people who hate the truth, the people who hate the truth are because they see, they see the truth as hateful. If, if you want to identify in any way you can, you're free to do so. But that does not mean that the rest of us have to join that illusion. You disagree, I disagree with you, and so you call it hate. But there's no hate in my heart at all, so that's You wrong. are being hateful when you tell somebody that identifies okay. as a man that they're not a man. That's not that hateful. hateful, that's a fact. Well done by that guy. What was that guy's name? I think it coming up on the screen, I, I missed it. Uh, but brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly done. And especially, Pay attention to, uh, I mean, the whole the whole thing. He argued the case quite well. Uh, and, and I know, you know, you watch that and you think, well, it's easy to argue the case because it's so, con- it's, it's just basic common sense and you're talking to crazy people uh, who have, uh, I mean, and, and the argument that they're defending on the other side, it, it, there's, there's, 
nothing about it that's remotely defensible, so it should be easy to win these arguments. And you would think that, but um, the fact that it's so basic, I think, trips people up sometimes when they're trying to defend it because it's such a basic concept. And you've got, and on the other side, you're dealing with people who have no concern for the truth at all. And they'll switch, they'll, they will switch lanes so quick in the middle of an argument. That doesn't work. We'll go over here, then back to here, then back to, and you're, and you're constantly, it's like whack-a-mole. You're just following them around. And uh, what, they try to confuse you and overwhelm you with so many, all their arguments are bad, but they throw so many at you and they're not beholden. So for you, you're, you, you have a certain position that's rooted in objective truth that you're defending. But they're not, they're not really defending any one particular position. They're defending like nothing. It's all in the ether, floating. And so they can they, they, they twist and turn and spin all around um, and try to confuse you and change the subject. And that's where people on the true side can get tripped up, which is why you got to really pay attention to what he did when they, when they, when they said, uh, well, sex and gender are two different things. Is what? He said, I, I don't accept that distinction. You, you, have to, you have to argue for that distinction. I'm not just going to accept it. Yeah, you say there's two different things. You say that. I don't accept that. Uh, the mistake that a lot of people would make in that same situation is by having that argument. Right? By, by getting into the fine distinctions between sex and gender. Instead, he said, no, 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 you, you, you have to defend that. I'm not going to, that, that's irrelevant. That's got nothing to do with this. Okay? That's just some, that's some nonsense you made up. I don't accept it. And they did that because, remember, I said they'll switch lanes on a dime. So I thought it was fantastic because she says, um, she says, she throws the what is a woman question back at him, thinking that it'll trip him up because it trips her up. She says, or it's a man in this case, talking about what is a man. So what what do you say a man is? He says, well, XY chromosomes, that's what a man is. Well, why does the science matter? She, she went right from, well, you can't define this term anyway. Well, yes, I can. Here you go. Well, the science doesn't even matter then. But what does the science matter? And then tries to uh, kind of lose him in the weeds with the sex and gender thing. And he steers it back and says, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. That's exactly how these things should be handled. But it is interesting to hear um, the advocates of gender ideology say, well, it's not about science. Well, the science doesn't matter. Because in so many other contexts, they're, they're, they're constantly telling us to trust the science, follow the science. The science is all that matters. Of course, that's exactly what they did with COVID. Um, and speaking of which, President Biden is expected to pick a, a new CDC director. Mandy Cohen is her name. And she was the health director um, in North Carolina during, the, uh, during COVID and during all the lockdowns and everything. Here's a clip of her that's getting a lot of attention where she talks about how she handled COVID. And they, they said, follow the science, trust the science. What did that actually mean? Okay, When she was uh, in charge of the COVID response in, in North Carolina, and she was following the science, what did following the science really mean? Well, she explains what it really meant in this interview. Listen. I would call, probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. 
she worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but you know, when she was like, are you, are you gonna let them have professional um, uh, football? And I was like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or, or I'd be like, so when are you gonna think about lightening up a mess? They're like, so like, next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. Wow. I mean, that, that is, that's a tremendous, clip there. It really is. Uh, we're not going to say it's surprising. We're not surprised to learn that it worked that way. But still very revealing for two reasons. First, the, the flippancy of it. You know, uh, this, this casual, petty uh, authoritarianism. You know, someone on Twitter said this is the banality of evil personified, right? And it really is. Because she's talking about things that destroyed people's lives and livelihoods, and there were suicides, and, and people were, you know, lost everything, and they're locked in their homes, and they're, you know, plunging into despair and depression, uh, and, and people's parents, grandparents dying alone in nursing homes, not allowed to be around their families in, in their final moments. And she's laughing about it and talks about having conversations where she said, are you going to let them have football? Are you going to let them have football? Let them, who's them, just the people in your state, all of them. Are you going to let them? And meanwhile, these are bureaucrats. You're the health director. How the hell can you determine? Why is it up to you to determine what people are allowed to have? But this was the power that was granted to them. That was the whole point. All the lockdowns, the entire COVID response, as we know, it was all structured. It, it, it all had the intention of transferring. It was a great power transfer from the people to the elites, to the government, to the bureaucracies, to the bureaucrats, to people like this scumbag, which is really what she is. It's a really evil person. Uh, but then also, she admits that she made these determinations based on what other bureaucrats were doing. It's like arbitrary. So are you going to let him do this again? Uh, yeah, starting next Monday. Okay, I'll do the same. It was like this, it was, it was a unofficial majority vote. It was an unofficial, casual majority vote among uh, bureaucrats. And they were all just covering their asses. And so they figured, well, if you're doing this and you are putting these lockdowns and restrictions in place, then I can do the same thing and I'm covered. Oh, but if you're getting rid of them, then I also am going to get rid of them because I don't want to get in trouble. And so they're all chasing each other's tails around in a circle while lives are being destroyed. Again, not, not a surprise, not news that that's how the COVID lockdowns work, but uh, it is interesting to hear them admit it anyway. And now she's going to be in charge of the CDC. One other clip I wanted to play, Tim Scott, uh, who just announced his presidential campaign a few days ago is expected to appear on The View on Monday, uh, today, actually. And here's what he said about that upcoming appearance. Listen. My socks said hogwash on them. When I think about hogwash, it, it just makes me think about The View. Anybody watch The View on TV? Good, good. I am in the right place. I'm going on The View on Monday. Because I think it's time for a conservative 
with a backbone to look those ladies in the eyes and say, you do not have to be an exception to succeed in America. You can be the rule and succeed in America. You see, I scare the dickens out of the radical left and Joe Biden. So, uh, nothing against Tim Scott, as I've said before, I have nothing personally against him. Seems like a, a nice guy. Uh, I think his re- presidential campaign is ridiculous. He has no chance of winning. Um, and he's not the kind of Republican that we, if this was the year 2004 or 1992 or something, uh, he'd be a very formidable candidate and right in step with where the Republican Party and the conservative movement generally was back, uh, back, you know, uh, back then. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. So there's no room for him. There's no need for him. And it's an absurd campaign in a lot of ways. However, I, I think he's on The View right now. I'm sure he'll do well enough. Maybe we'll play some of the clips tomorrow. But I do want to point out that, that what he said there is absolutely not true. I scare the dickens out of the radical left and Joe Biden. No, you don't. <laughs> you, don't you don't. You don't scare anybody. And you don't scare the left. They're, they're not afraid of you. Um, because you, you represent like the safest form of conservatism. Now, yeah, I mean, they'd prefer if you didn't exist just like the rest of us. Um, so they, it's, not, it's not that they like you, but you are the safest version of this. And we know that based on the fact that you're going on the view. So they're not afraid of you if they're going to put you on the view. If you're allowed to go on The View, it means they're not afraid of you. I mean, st- if, if you get invited, go, I would love to go on The View. I've already said that. Uh, and what, what, when, what is the woman first came out? We, we did pitch them. We said, hey, so it's a question. You guys, you guys are all women, allegedly. We made a movie. You know, it's a perfect match made in heaven. Come on. And uh, shockingly, they wanted nothing to do with it whatsoever. And that's because they only are going to give you a platform and amplify you if they're not afraid of you. If they're afraid of you, they're not going to do that. The way they deal with people they're afraid of is mostly by ignoring them as much as possible, deplatforming and ignoring as much as possible. Do everything they can to not acknowledge. And then if they do acknowledge you, it's, it's going to be to condemn you as a, as a bigot and all the rest of it. That's what they do when they're afraid. If they're not afraid and they think that you're the safest version of uh, alleged conservatism, then yeah, they're going to put you. They'll put you on the View. They'll put you on. They'll bring you on CNN. They'll bring you on MSNBC uh, because they figure that you are a version of conservatism that they can embarrass, that they can straw man, that they can you know they can use as a punching bag. I, I don't think it'll work in their favor on the View, just because the the, the women on the View are so incredibly stupid. Um, but that is the plan, clearly. All right, let's get to the comment section. Daily cancellations are the law and order of the day. The sweet Wendy says, Matt, I really hope that you read my tweet. I cried so hard at the last scene of your beautiful telling documentary. It's also simple, that last scene so poignant. Thank you for protecting our precious future. Love and blessings. Uh, a lot of people have said they love the ending, which, uh, and I tweeted something couple days ago I said what was your favorite part and a lot of people said the ending which I which I I love to hear because it took us so long to come up with that 
ending. It seems so simple, and it is, and that's the point. But we went through many different ideas, like how how do you know what do we how do we get to how do we end this? We had we had the entire film, and we had it all done, and uh, we couldn't figure out how exactly to end it. And this was like we were I don't know we we were weeks from it releasing, and we still hadn't actually figured out what the end is. Until we came up with this idea, and then you see it, it's like, how did that take you? How did that take you months to figure that out? Well, it did somehow, uh, and because it occurred to me that uh, Jordan Peterson s- set up the ending for us perfectly, which he, and we we had filmed that months before that interview with Jordan Peterson, um, and he said, I asked him, "What is a woman?" He said, "Marry one and find out." And I said, "Well, I should go home and ask my wife." It didn't occur to me until months later that, oh, well, that's the end. Which I we should I should go home and ask my wife. So I'm glad that uh, that. In the end, we made the right decision there, I guess. Uh, Lisa says, Matt, I love the whole film, but nothing can beat the Africa segment. Uh, I agree. That's my favorite part. F- favorite f- favorite to watch, you know, and favorite to also film as well. There's a, there's a whole separate documentary that we could make just about going to Africa for that week. It's a, it's a very different world in a lot of ways. And um, I think I've told this story before, but pe- people always ask me, where we stayed when we were in Africa, because we're down talking to the Maasai tribe, you know, out in the in the African bush. Like, where do you stay? Did we stay with the tribe, or was there a Holiday Inn nearby? And the answer is none of the above. We stayed in tents uh, about 20 minutes away, and they were nice tents. I mean, they were like they were big tents, so they were nice and they were big, but they were tents. Uh, they were shelters made of canvas, which was which is disconcerting because we're out and there's a safari park right there. And it's not like, uh, you know, it's the safari park, when I say park, it's not like it's all fenced in. So you just, it's the wilderness. And there are every dangerous animal you can imagine. They're all just like there. <laughs> they just, they could be in the woods at any time. And, uh, and you know, you could hear the, the uh, hyenas at night, you know, while you're sleeping in your tent with that little canvas uh, wall. And it was thin enough that enraged baboons could rip through it and tear our stuff apart, which is what happened to our director and I think one of the person in the film. When they were not in the tents, baboon got in, ripped it apart. Uh, so that's what, but at least, you know, there were, there were uh, where we were staying this, this with the tents, they, they called it a resort. And I was told that we were staying in a resort in Africa. So I, I had certain notions in mind that was not a tent, but uh, they had work employees there and... Um, at night, they would bring you out to your tent because it's dark, you know, and there could be animals. Out but at least they had, they'd carry giant sticks. There was no guns, but they had giant sticks to defend you in case you were attacked by a lion or something. Um, another one says, watched was a woman from Peterson's Link and absolutely loved every moment of it. The ending scene with Matt's wife was a spectacular mix of corny but funny. Wish I had paid the money and supported when it was released, but I knew the free day would come. Uh, yeah, the free day did come, but we, we still do... Need your money, actually, because uh, the the only way that, and we say this all the time, but it's very much true, the only way the documentary exists is through our subscribers. Without our subscribers, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be able to do it. We wouldn't be able to to make films like this. And um, we have a lot of big plans for the future and a lot coming up. And in order for any of that to happen and to be successful, we need, uh, we need your support as well. So please consider becoming a subscriber. Uh, finally, we can add it. We can end on a sales pitch. Another one, anyway. Matt, thank you for your strong advocacy. Where where can I purchase a copy of your children's book? It deserves a place in my home. You can purchase it on uh, Amazon, and I do encourage Amazon. There are other ways you can get it. You can go to thedailywire.com. You can buy it there. 
Uh, there are other places you could buy it, but I encourage Amazon because every time you buy Johnny the Walrus from Amazon, an Amazon employee cries every single time. Uh, and and you know we know that that's not an exaggeration. We have video. We have we have leaked video of them in tears because people are buying Johnny the Walrus from them. So I would very much encourage you to buy it there. Well, as you heard us talk about on the show today and over the last couple of days, we uh, we've been having the fight of our of our lives over free speech, and uh, and we won that fight. And you know about the amazing success of What Is Woman uh, ever since it released on Twitter, and really uh, for the entire year before that. But the thing is, there's still a lot of work to be done. We have to keep pushing back against the left. We have to be the light in the darkness. You see what we're up against. It's not easy, but with your support, we can continue to gain new ground. So, as we just talked about, if you aren't yet a Daily Wire Plus subscriber, now is the time. Because if you sign up today, you'll get 25% off your membership when you use code WOMAN at checkout. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. The pop singer Lizzo has made several appearances in the Daily Cancellation. She's one of the all-stars of this segment. If there's ever a Daily Cancellation Pro Bowl, she'll be, uh, she'll be one of the first people invited. And usually when we have, when we've talked about her on this show, um, the conversation has revolved around her weight, which is substantial. Lizzo is obviously morbidly obese. This is a fact that comes up so often because she brings it up herself so often. She highlights it. She's built an entire career about, uh, around calling attention to her body and her fatness and promoting both as beautiful. In spite of that, she now says she doesn't want anyone talking about the thing that she always talks about. She's sick of it, she says. And she's on the verge of retiring from public life entirely because of all the comments. The Daily Mail reports, quote, Lizzo has threatened to quit her singing career after she was cruelly fat-shamed online. The juice hitmaker 35 was left incensed after seeing a mean comment online from author Leah Halpern, which read, quote, how is Lizzo still this fat when she constantly is moving this much on stage? I wonder what she must be eating. Reposting the comment, Lizzo wrote, quote, just logged on in the app on the app, and this is the type of SIC about me on a daily basis. It's really starting to make me hate the world. Then someone in the comments said, I eat lots of fast food. I literally stopped eating fast food years ago. I'm tired of explaining myself all the time. I just want to get on this app without seeing my name on some bull S. Now, it's important to note that uh, Lizzo is responding to a comment from some random person on Twitter who no one's ever heard of. Uh, Lizzo has fans who fawn over her constantly. Her comments and messages are no doubt full of support and adulation. Not to mention she has the entire media apparatus that adores her. She is loved by Hollywood and pop culture. She's been hailed as a hero, as beautiful and bold uh, by every corporate media outlet. And yet she decided to focus on this one comment from this one person. That was her decision. You know, what you choose to focus on, you can't control. This is a general life rule, kids. You can't control what other people say about you or to you. You can control what you choose to focus on, however. Continuing, quote, the star added that she hated Twitter and said, this is what my body looks like when I'm eating clean and working out. She added, quote, y'all really need to touch grass. I'm not trying to be fat. I'm not trying to be smaller. I'm literally just trying to live and be healthy. This is what my body looks like, even when I'm eating super clean and working out. Y'all speak on stuff y'all know nothing about, and I'm starting to get heated. I hate it here. The love definitely do not outweigh the hate on social media, all because I'm fat? This is crazy. Y'all don't know how close I be to giving up on everyone and quitting and enjoying my money and my man on an effing farm. I literally never search my name. This stuff just comes up on my TL, 
and uh, it's wild. I swear I just want to look at dance videos and science news, and this S comes in every day. Also, to the people who haven't had an original thought or fresh air in years, being fat isn't my brand. Being fat is what my body looks like. That's it. That's all. My brand is feel-good music. My brand is championing all people. My brand is black girl liberation. I'm glad we can get all this in because you need to know all this, everything she said. You know, by the way, I like to think I have the same brand, black girl liberation. But we aren't done with Lizzo's complaints. A little more. She also posted a video showing her hitting out at trolls at a recent concert caption. I will never shut up about how difficult y'all make it for fat people to simply exist. Minding your business is free. If the internet was limited and, uh, limited and one comment took 24 hours to post, I wonder what social media would be like. Well, it'd be pretty boring for one thing. This tells you quite a lot about Lizzo's mentality. One person insulted her, and now she wants the entire internet locked down with everyone limited to one post per 24 hours. But she hasn't thought this through. Just think about how much more insulting it will be if someone uses their one post in a day to call you fat. And why would anyone call her fat? Well, because because she is, medically and objectively speaking. She's obese. Uh, There's no way around it. Literally. But why would people say it out loud is the question. Why, Why do they feel entitled to make observations about her body, even if those observations are true? Why don't they, as she says, mind their own business? Her body isn't their business after all, is it? Well, see, that's the problem. Lizzo apparently thinks that her body is everyone else's business. She's made a career out of putting her body on display. If she didn't want people to notice her body and form opinions about it, she wouldn't go around dressed like this. Oh, we blurred it. Well, that's good. Uh, That is Lizzo walking onto a plane wearing a thong, in case you didn't notice. Fortunately, it's a private jet, but this should still be some kind of FAA violation. And that was obviously not the first time that Lizzo's traipsed about uh, about in public and only her underwear. She frequently parades her mostly naked body around. She also sings songs about her body. She talks about her body. Uh, She posts pictures of it. If Lizzo is simply the victim of fat phobia, along with racism and sexism and all the other isms, then... We would have to wonder why a singer like, say, Aretha Franklin was never criticized for her obesity the way Lizzo is. And the answer is that Aretha Franklin was classy and dignified and, to my knowledge, never posted any Instagram videos of herself in a thong. Here's the thing that lots of people today seem to struggle with. It's a rather simple concept. People will form opinions about and potentially criticize you for the parts of yourself that you choose to advertise and boast about. If you're advertising and boasting about unhealthy and objectively bad parts of yourself, then the criticisms will not only be inevitable, but also justified. This is a fact of life. When you go in front of a crowd and you say, hey, folks, look at this, and then you show them some personal aspect of your life, especially if that personal aspect is your own ass, you are literally asking them to notice it and think about it and form their own perspective. Now, you may only be explicitly asking for the first thing, the noticing, but the other two are part of the package, whether you like it or not. Human beings will develop thoughts about whatever they notice, okay? This just comes with being a conscious agent operating in the world. And in some cases, the thought might be as simple as, dear God, put that away. But there will be a thought of some kind, a thought that they may or may not express out loud. Either way, you introduced the subject. You presented it to the public, whether the public asked for it or not. Which means this all comes back to you and your own choices. 
you only have yourself to blame. There's no use complaining about it now. But, but what does any of this matter? I mean, Lizzo is a champion of the body positivity movement, isn't she? I thought she feels positive about her body. I thought she's a, she's a powerful, confident, empowered black woman. Why is she having a public meltdown over a comment from some random person she doesn't know? This is how it so often goes with the body positivity people. They tell us how positive they feel about their bodies, how in love with themselves they are, how beautiful they imagine themselves to be. And then they break down in tears when one person disagrees. It's almost like, in fact, no, it's, it's exactly like all of this body positivity stuff is a massive cope. It's not a declaration, but rather a plea disguised as a declaration. Lizzo and the rest of them, they all declare, I'm big and beautiful and I love my body. But what they really mean is, help me convince myself that I am beautiful and I love my body. This is how leftism works in general. Every statement about a person, every statement a person makes about themselves is really a plea, an exhortation, a demand. They're not telling you what they think about themselves, but rather what they want to think about themselves. To them, the whole external world exists for no other reason than to reinforce whatever happy thoughts they want to think about themselves. And as a member of the external world, you are nothing but a cog in the self-rationalization machine. You're not meant to mind your own business, certainly not. When Lizzo puts on a thong and shows you her ass, you're not supposed to remain silent and walk away because she doesn't want you to just be silent and back slowly away or rather turn and run. She doesn't want that. But that's what minding your own business would mean. No, you're supposed to say, uh, you know, you're supposed to say something. Uh, but you're not supposed to say anything like, hey, put some pants on or, hey, this is, uh, this is, you know, unsanitary for the people who sit in that airplane seat after you. What you're supposed to do is cheer and applaud and say all the things to Lizzo that she says to herself in the mirror. You know, we often talk about with gender ideology this, that, that self-perception the self-perception of another person suddenly becomes your project, your assignment. You're conscripted in the effort to prop up someone else's precarious ideas about themselves. But as we see here, this phenomenon is not limited to gender ideology. The body positivity movement works the same way. The world is meant to participate in the lies that the individual tells herself. If anyone chooses instead to tell the truth, they have committed an act of violence, of hate. This is the expectation that Lizzo has of the public. Many people in the public will live up to it or down to it in this case. They will repeat the lies. They'll prop up her false self-image and a minority will not. And Lizzo can't help but focus on the minority because she knows that they're telling the truth. And that's what makes her so angry, which is why she is today, once again, canceled. And that'll do it for this portion of the show as we move over to the members block. Um, you can become a member today by using code Walsh to check out for two months free on all annual plans. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed.